You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. No days off. No The Off Day Podcast. Give me a chest ball. <laughs> with Andy Hart. All right, good to be with you. All right. This you microphone week. put up a little less fight than the one last night. <laughs> and Ryan Hannibal. What's your name again? <laughs> Hannibal. Oh, Hannibal. 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 Oh, Mr. Fight. On WEEI.com. Special guest this week, Mike Giardi. Haven't had him on in a while. Figured, you know, with the season starting out, Mac Jones, Cam Newton coming to an end. It was a good time to have the uh, national TV star back on. Yeah, it's pretty emotional for all of us. I can tell. I can just, if you can't see Andy right now, but if you could see Andy, you should just see he's just brimming with enthusiasm. Well, I'm just brimming because on June 15th, I declared Mac the starter, and it took Bill a while to catch up to me, but Bill finally got to where I was a long time ago. So we're all happy. My initial roster projection on weei.com before camp, I cut Cam. Been a pretty good summer for Andy. Yeah. You guys, how uh, how long are we gonna have to hear about this from you? Is this like is this in perpetuity? We're gonna get this like every year. Well, I remember that time that I got Mac Jones over. Well, also remind him what he said on June sixteenth. Oh yeah, I, that's right. Step back, right? And was, was a little. There was a little overzealous on that. No, 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 no. I said he took a step back as rookies are wont to do. I didn't pull back my declaration that he should be would be the starter. I think you did on, on the radio. I'm not sure about you did it in print, but I think you did it on the radio. I don't think so. I, I want the tapes. I will have those erased. <laughs> all right. Uh, Mike, were, were you, I guess that we all were surprised, but like, what, what do you think ultimately led um, Bill to sort of change his mind? Cause obviously based everything we saw over the summer, it was. Whoa, cap- whoa, 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 whoa. I don't agree with your premise, son. How do I we know he changed his mind? I still think it was a long con. I think Bill and I were actually in lockstep most of the time. This was a long con, more designed to control the narrative than it was designed to have a legitimate competition. I think he knew the end game was Mac Jones. I think he controlled schmucks like me and you and Mike Giardi and kept it from being too much of a story. And I think he prepared his quarterback. The one thing I will say, I think the other guy got screwed. But go ahead, Mike. I would agree with you. I think the other guy got screwed because I don't think the other guy played poorly enough to lose his job or to certainly lose a spot on the roster. Now, based on the way Bill reacted the day after the cuts where he wouldn't mention Cam by name, and then the five-day protocol breach where Newton wasn't here, could there have been some sort of break with Cam at that point from Bill? Like, oh, we can't, you know, like, really? We got to do this again? We can't, We, you know, there's so many things we, we can't control because of the way the rules are set up right now, because of the way you know, COVID is going to impact the season again, that I can't possibly do this again, or I don't want to do this again. And you've put me in this position. I think that's a possibility. Um, but look from, I would say the last three weeks of 
training camp when the competition, like forget that first week where, where it was, you know, shells. And I, I didn't, there, I, to me, that was, I think Belichick talked about it, it was still sort of a, you know, teaching period. Once they put on the pads and started to get into that mindset, Mac was the better quarterback almost every day. Um, you know, sometimes by a little, sometimes by a lot. And so I guess in that regard, he did the right thing. He did the smart thing. He, he went back to his old ways, which is, it's not, it's, if you're, if you're better then you're playing period, end of story. doesn't matter. Draft status, doesn't matter. Contract, whatever. Uh, you're going to be the guy. I mean, Max, a first round pick, but in this case, he, he was the best player. Well, then he, so you asked the question to Bill about him being a backup and Bill didn't really, didn't answer it at all. Um, yeah. But then if you look at the vaccination thing, I know he said it doesn't have a play a factor, but it had to, right? I mean, if you look at a backup quarterback, if you're, starting quarterback test positive for COVID and you're a backup quarterback that's not vaccinated, if you're in the same room, you're not playing that week because you're considered a close contact. So it's almost like Cam had no chance of being a backup with the Patriots. Can I yeah, ask a I quick question? Wait, can I interrupt real quick? Yeah, sure. go ahead. Is Brian Hoyer vaccinated? Yes. Yes. You're sure? Not sure, but based on what we've seen, yes. Pretty, well, pretty, I pretty, pretty sure. Okay, because that's good, because I've seen him show up at the field with a mask on at the field before he gets on the field. Yeah, I think it took some convincing, but I think he's there. So uh, whether he's halfway through or whether he's done the full you know, two shots, if he did the two-shot deal, I think he is um, either on his way to being vaccinated or is vaccinated. So, um, yeah, look, that, th there's no question that the when, when Bill said it's a whatever, what was the word he used about you're looking at it all the different factors that go into this no not one singular thing then yes availability has to matter and the vaccine has to matter and bill was i didn't think that was a very impressive press conference from bill but i would say I that i would say that his no on the vaccination which is where he should have left it um was the right thing to do because, you know, the day or two before Urban Meyer, you know, there's an NFL PA investigation because Urban mentioned like, yeah, you know, availability does matter. So if you're going to be unavailable because of vaccines, then, and not being vaccinated, then yeah, you know, that, that certainly has to weigh into our decision. And I think there's no question that it had to weigh to some percentage, to some degree in the final choice to, to, to cut cam free. But do you, don't you think that, that, when Meyer's talking about it, I think he's talking about a general roster building, you know, bodies 48 through 53. If four, you know, two guys are similar, I'll take the guy who's vaccinated because there's a little more certainty. When you're making a decision about Cam Newton, your quarterback position, I don't, to me, there shouldn't be a ton of the vaccination involved. I know you have to deal with it and think about it, but the reality is the position is so important. And even the backup, when you're going with a, a rookie starter, the backup position is really important at quarterback. And it's Cam Newton, and it's your incumbent. And there's so much there that I think the vaccination part should play a relatively small role. I'm back to where you started. Like, my faith in Bill Belichick running a meritocracy in New England was restored with this decision. Because you and others went down all these offseason, and, and I'm not making fun of you here, we've over-talked and over-analyzed this topic forever going back months, but this idea that Cam was owed something or the way last year played out or this or that or wine or whatever, who's better? Like who performed better leading up to this season? 
I'm with you. It was Mac Jones just about every day and sometimes by large margins. And I think that's why he's the quarterback. The other stuff is sort of secondary to that larger point. Well, and I, and I think that's why when, when the news came out and I was, when I was on TV right after it, I said, like, there's a there's a whole, ma- a whole bunch of layers to this story. Obviously, there's going to be spinoffs and you're going to wonder about this and there's the vaccination that and, you know, did they do cam wrong? All these different things. But I said the thing that we have to highlight here, the thing that we can't lose sight of, the thing that's most important is that Mac was the better quarterback. He outperformed Cam Newton and that like you can throw in all these other things and you can have your 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 theories about you know what led to the departure from cam and did something happen and blah 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 yeah i i you know i love listening to all that stuff and we 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 talk about it we think about it but like the most important thing was who was the better player he was the better player you think something happened over the last week or so like i just think something smells funny like the way that bill didn't mention cam's name at all like how they you know loved each other for the last year even cam like he didn't have anything on social media saying like thank you like I just something smells funny I mean look I I was the first one to report it the 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 frustration over the COVID protocol breach and uh I got a lot of flack for that uh because when he came back of course he goes right back in as the as the as QB1 Mm -hmm. um but that was real and look at impacted they they knew what they had there they knew that there was a competition um, you know, if you're, if you're leaning towards the veteran, you need the veteran to be out there and he wasn't out there. And that was, look, that they went through it last year. Then they have to go through it again here in camp. Like that, there was definitely like, dude, you can't, they don't like people leaving during camp anyway. I mean, they don't like people leaving period, but you know, during camp. Okay, fine. You twist our arm. Like, we'll let you go see this, this doctor. And then you screwed up the protocols. Like that's, unreliable so you're unreliable because you're 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 not vaccinated and you immediately subject yourself to much harsher punishments if if things happen and now you're unreliable because we can't even trust that you can follow through with the protocols properly like what what are we doing here i I think there has to be something there with regards to that i mean i know there was because there was frustration there was there was that was communicated to me quite quite strongly like well you know what are we doing here and you asked the question, he didn't answer, Bill Belichick didn't answer, obviously, but there's also the possibility that we've talked about all along on here on the Off Day podcast is Cam Newton willing to be a backup. Can he succeed? Can he, you know, what, what's the subjugate his ego, as Robert Kraft likes to say? And that may have come to a head. That may have been, listen, Max the starter and Cam wasn't willing to be that second fiddle. And we've seen glimpses of that as much as on the craft sports productions broadcast, we saw Cam with Ramondre Stevenson and the excitement and this and that. We also have that weird Instagram that had nothing to do with football, but asked for loyalty after he felt the home crowd kind of drifting towards the, the rookie quarterback and probably felt the overall process drifting toward the rookie quarterback. I think there's a legitimate question. I had it all along. I didn't, I was really dubious that Cam Newton could be a, a package guy, a backup quarterback, I mean, it's un- and, and I don't blame him in, on some level. It would have been unprecedented. Name the last number one overall pick, Heisman Trophy winner, Super Bowl quarterback, MVP, who, yeah, I'll just be a backup. You, you, you come get me when you need me. You put me in when you need me. That's not – he still be- – he said it. I'm still one of the best 32. He's wrong. He's delusional, mm-hmm. but he still believes it. And 
if he believes it, I think he has to pursue that and not just say, well, my career as a starter is over. I'm just going to carry, you know, Mac Jones's bags and hold a clipboard. So I think there's a possibility maybe that topic was broached and, and I give Cam credit for being honest. No, I don't think I can do that role. No, I don't want to do that role. Nope. Probably better off if you move on without me, because if he tried to fake it, I think it would have done more harm to the team in the long run than, than him leaving does. Yeah, I, I don't, I, I think you asked me this question on the radio before. I think we, we might've kicked it around here on the off day pod. I, I know I talked about it on NFL network. Like I never really saw him being the guy that would say, okay, you're going to start Mac and then we're going to get inside the 10 and then I'm going to come in like no way based on exactly what you said. Like his ego still leads him to believe that he's one of the better quarterbacks in the league. Not only one of the best 32, but I think he still thinks he's in the upper echelon and we have evidence. <laughs> we have evidence since, you know, 2018 that proves otherwise. And 2018 was a long time ago now, you know? So, um, I, I never, I never really thought that that was real. I, I, you know, I mean, I guess they could have convinced him maybe, or, or maybe they could have tried to convince him, but I, I just, I didn't think that that would ever work. And quite frankly, like if you're going to end up with Mac as your quarterback, then I don't think you need Cam here because I don't know to your point, whether he wants to be a backup. So if you have to convince someone to do that, does he really believe it in his heart that he can do that? Like Brian Hoyer knows what he is. He knows what he's here for. He knows what he's supposed to do. That's, I think, support Mac Jones. And I think that's, that's what it's all about now. You're, now you're, everything you do is about Mac Jones and how to get Mac Jones ready and how to keep him comfortable and, and do all the things that you need to do to make sure that you've made this switch now. Now the switch is long-term. Like you don't want to be screwing around in week six and saying, uh, he's not playing well. We got a lawyer, you know, like, no, it's got to be Mac. And also, I don't know if you saw this, your former uh, podcast partner, uh, Rob Ninkovich um, had an interesting clip making the rounds on Twitter last night where he, with his new podcast partner, I don't know who it is, some bearded guy, um, yeah. said from what he's heard inside of Gillette Stadium, Mac Jones was still teaching Cam Newton the playbook and was explaining things to Cam Newton. And, you know, he sort of used some of the examples that Cam Newton didn't run any no huddle in the preseason or two minute drills and, you know, gave every indication that Cam Newton didn't know the playbook and the system as well as Mac Jones. Well, that's not exactly what you're looking for in a veteran backup quarterback who's there to theoretically support the rookie starter. So that would be another reason why you wouldn't want to keep him around. Yeah. I mean, that, that was never, I, I never got that part of the story and no one's ever told me that, but I will say just from the eye test and forget about the no huddle stuff. It was evident that Mac processes the offense better than cam did and cam was better this summer like look there i thought there was actually he made a fairly large stride forward this summer as compared to where he was at any point last year but he still does the things because he's always done the things where he's not he gets to the top of his drop he's not ready to let it go it's that's not who he is he's he he needs to see it longer or he's trying to do something else and then he trusts his arm to zing it in there on a ball that should have been thrown a minute, a second ago. He's now throwing it at that point. And Mac's not that guy. Mac knows he has to sort of, he has to see it that fast. He has to get rid of it that fast. His arm is good enough right now. I think it'll get better as he gets stronger, but like right now that ball has got to be out like, like that. And that's how they run this offense. I think he, he came into this with a good idea of how they wanted to play offense and what Josh wanted to do. And, 
And it was to my point where one of the players had said, you know, months ago, he, he sees the game the way Josh sees it. And I know some people poo-pooed that. Well, that's the, that's the offensive coordinator's job is to get the quarterbacks to see it that way. Well, for all the work that Josh did with Cam, Cam still didn't see it the way Josh saw it or, or couldn't execute it the way Josh wanted it executed. Okay, two questions. First one is, you just alluded to it, you know, you're all in on Mac. You know, Brian Hoyer's the backup, which I don't think any of us feel great about if he has to play out of injury or... I don't feel great about anybody's backup. Can we be Can we be real about that? Like, I, nobody well, has a good backup. I, I agree. That, that point's an overblown. If your starting quarterback goes down, how many teams in the league are yeah. good? Right. No, but the point would be, let's just pretend this played out differently. And what everybody said other than me... Cam Newton was going to be the starter and Cam started, you'd feel pretty good about the backup because you'd feel like you have a young ascending player that you liked during the summer coming in. So I do think sometimes you, even if it means your, your starter sucks, you can feel good about a backup. For example, I, I think the Patriots did the exact same thing. Ryan and I talked about this the other day in a quick podcast. I think the Patriots and the Jags did the exact same thing. They're starting their first round quarterback and they got rid of the, distraction, star, cult figure, guy that inside or outside the locker room people could call for. No one's calling for Brian Hoyer. I don't think James White will call for Brian Hoyer. I don't think Mike Giardi will call for Brian Hoyer. I don't think Mark Cruz, who is my assistant baseball coach and a big Patriots fan, will call for Brian Hoyer. No one's calling for Brian Hoyer. I'm going to say Mr. and Mrs. Hoyer, his parents, aren't really calling for Brian Hoyer. They like that he's collecting paychecks. So you got rid of the distraction. But the reality is... A week ago, and I want you to do, dispel this, Mike Giardi, if you cho so choose, I had uh, Michael Hurley telling me on NBC Sports Boston. I had my Sunday co-host, uh, Gary Tangway, telling me, Mac Jones can't hold up. That's why they're not going to start him. He's not physically ready. I think you even played along with this theory that, oh, he needs to hit the weight room and get a little bigger and stronger and more durable. Does. Okay, well, so – Wait, Brian Hoyer's the backup. So you you people, and I'm saying it, you people don't believe Mac Jones is ready for a 17-game NFL season, and the backup plan is Brian poop my pants with the game on the line in Kansas City in a tough situation that I should know how to handle as a veteran quarterback. Hoyer is your backup? I don't care for that. There's no safety net. I think, again, to me, I'm a big proponent of your backup should be uh, a developmental quarterback because at least there's some potential upside there. Um, in this case, your developmental quarterback is your, is your first round pick and he's your starter. Just like I think in San Francisco, you know, Trey Lance, clearly if anybody watched Trey Lance this, this summer, Trey Lance isn't ready to start, but boy, having him on the bench and being able to run a package or two for him during the course of a game and continue to get him experience, it can give the team a boost. But in general, like the cast off veteran guys as backup quarterbacks, bleh. I'm done with it. I think like, you know, in, in Tennessee, for instance, the team I, I deal with quite a bit, Logan Woodside is the backup quarterback. And it's like, oh, he's never thrown a pass in the league. Well, yeah, he's also 25 years old. And maybe just maybe you found something that, and you got a guy who's going to be a long-term backup in this league. I don't give me the Matt Barkley types. Give me the Brian Oyer types. I'm, I'm whatever. So mid season, let's just say you people are right. And Mac Jones can't hold up, not performance wise, but physically he gets beat up. He's got a short term injury or something. He's already dealing with a knee. Correct. Um, would you rather see Brian Hoyer or do you think Jarrett Stidham will be an option by that point? I think, well, 
Stidham's clock is it was 10 to 12 weeks. What's he been about four weeks now? Yeah, I don't know if he's going to be ready by week eight. I mean, you tell you tell me if it was week 12, maybe Jared, Jared Stidham's up and running. Maybe Jared Stidham is recovering faster and maybe week eight's a possibility. But yeah, I would prefer that. And I think that, which again, I when I when I talk about Jared Stidham, I, I like to put the asterisks next to it. But what I've been told is they feel like he's in a much better place and seems to have a better understanding of what's expected of him. And he's in better standing with them this year than he was at any point last year. So I don't know if that's just, you know, with the Patriots, you always have to filter out whether how much of what you hear you believe. Well, plus that could be on their end. That could be um, altered expectations. A year ago, oh, Brady's gone. We expect you to be ready to compete for a starting job. You weren't up to the task. You weren't up to Cam. Oh, now we have a starting quarterback, a first round pick. You kind of slot back in as your, yeah, I'm developing and yeah, I can spin the ball, but now there's less pressure on us and you for you to be ready. That I think that could be part of it. Well, who, hey, seriously, in the league, if, if any one of the, the teams that have actual aspirations to win, again, in the playoffs at least, who has a good backup quarterback? Fair okay. question. San Francisco, I guess, because they drafted Trey Lance third. Like, but I mean, that's what I'm talking about. Like, if you, most of these teams, maybe the guy can like, caretake it for for a week, maybe two, but anything beyond that, forget it. You're, like, you're, here's a quick question: who, who are even like, who who's the Bills' backup quarterback? Trubisky, Mitchell Trubisky. Yeah. Okay, how would you feel about that? I would not feel good about that. I'd feel better than I do about Brian Hoyer. Because well, again, you're, but that's to that's to my point though. At least you're talking about a player that has some upside right He's still young you so feel like you didn't get coached right in chicago now you have him with dayball dayball did wonders with josh allen now maybe maybe you fixed him so but in the reality jared stidham is that guy for the patriots right yeah yeah i would say like if if stidham were the backup right now i'd feel better about it because to me it's all about hope and expectation and potential or possibility or what like what is, and I know Brian Hoyer, I'm being disrespectful to him. He's won games in the league. He's been a starter for teams. He's won 30, he's made $30 million. Yeah. Yes, but he's also, he's a 4A quarterback. Like he's too good for the minor leagues of quarterbacks, but he's not ready for the major leagues. He's in that in-between land. Um, knows, knows, knows how to run their offense, just can't quite run their offense. And doesn't do it when the game is on the line in Kansas City. Knows how to. There's, there's a lot of things I know how to do. And then when I try to do them, they don't work out properly. Like, oh yeah, I can do that. And then you realize, no, I can't do that. I'm not a mechanic. I'm not a carpenter. I'm not a this. I'm not a that. I know how to radio. do them. You're not a radio host. All right. Too, that's, too much that's time right. on the quarterback position. Stefan Gilmore. I, I don't think this t- story has been talked about enough. Look, there's a lot of layers to this story too. Like he's up for the first, at least the first six weeks. You had Ian Rapport say on your NFL Network Airways that it was a three to four week injury, where I would say to that case, that why don't you put him on injured reserve so he can come back at week four. There just seems to be a lot of things with this. Then you have Bill saying it's an injury when it's probably not an injury. It's a contract thing. Like what's going on with him? Yeah. I, I like been way too quiet on that front for, for weeks. Um, the people that I were talking to have sort of not decided not to talk at this point, um, which leads me to believe that we are now at that point where, as we talked, you know, earlier when Bill was saying, Oh, you know, like, everything was hunky dory with Stefan. I think we're now at the point where there is, 
I guess animosity is the way I would I would view it. Like, really, we're, we're still not done. Really, you spent all this money on all these players and you can't figure out a way to spend money on this player. Really, you're not going to get on the field and show us that you're healthy so that we can maybe extend ourselves a little bit this year to get you on the field. Yeah, I, I think we're I think we're definitely at that point. So don't you think, I mean, we talked about this, Ryan and I, that this was a possibility. This was a, a Gilmore... Um, victory of sorts he plays you know 11 games for a paycheck that he thinks is not um representative of a full season for a player of his stature he gets paid he saves his health I I think this is a win for Gilmore and I think there probably could be some comparisons made loosely to Wes Welker and if you remember the Wes Welker franchise tag it was the team wanted to use it in the way that the franchise tag is intended as an insurance policy. We'll keep negotiating. We'll find a deal here. And Welker said, Nope, I'll take it. $9.8 million or whatever it was. And that pretty much ended their relationship. I think Bill was pissed forever in perpetuity at Wes Welker uh, because of that. I think this PUP thing was a way to have uh, whatever the words you people have been using. I'm using that phrase a lot today. Um, Amicable negotiation to enter camp. He's not holding out. He's not going to get fined. He's on PUP. He's recovered. Like it was all nice and good until, oh, wait, he's still on PUP to start the year. So we have to pay him, but he doesn't have to play, improve his health. This seems like a win to me for Stefan Gilmore in a way. But the bigger picture, it feels like the Patriots cheaped out on their season at the last minute. Like they have invested all this money. Robert Kraft had to use more capital than he ever has before. And now I think they have a fatal flaw because they couldn't come to an agreement with Stefan Gilmore, maybe the most important player either on their defense or on their entire team heading into the new season. It just, I don't know. It feels cheap in the end. Yeah. I, I, I look, I've, I've been a proponent that I thought they should have paid him. I don't think you do what you did this off season and, rebuild the team the way you did and then turn around and say, you know, we're not going to give you. And again, seven, $8 million more, which some people may say is a lot of money. They can figure that out. Um, they can certainly create more space if they wanted to. Um, so yeah, I don't quite understand why you allowed yourself to get to this point. And yeah, it is a win. I, it is a win for Gilmore. I mean, it might be a win that results in him not being here when all said and done, uh, before the season is out, you know, like, I think that, that very much, as I said, if there's animosity now, I think then we could end up, you know, whatever, whenever he's, uh, can you trade a guy when he's on the pup? No, you can't. Yes. Right? No, yes, you, you can. can. Andy, figure oh, it hey. out. You can. Look at that. Well, according to a source, you can, because I don't pretend to know the inner workings of those rules, but I asked somebody, can you trade specifically, can you trade somebody on PUP? And they said, yes, you can. Okay. I'll have to look into that, but I, I'll but trust you. I think, if I read it correctly, the PUP status follows the player. It's yeah, not right. like you trade him in week two and he's suddenly off PUP. No, he's on that. PUP yeah. for that team through the first six weeks of the season, um, which I think – so Dan Graziano apparently reported there's still a possibility um, that, that they could trade Stefan Gilmore, um, which I think we've all known was, a, was always a possibility. Like this goes back a year – you know, what can you get for him? Second round pick and a swap of picks or something in that world. But I think his value goes down. You know, I think Graziano threw out the Saints. A, because they need corners. And B, that's Belichick's boy. They've been trade partners before. They have a good working relationship through a variety of, of maneuverings. But doesn't his value 
in a trade go down if I am the Saints and I don't get them until after week six? Yeah, I would say that that's absolutely the case. So then what I would say is, is, is Bill then, are they playing the, okay, let's see how these next four or five weeks go in the regular season. Can JC be the guy that runs around with the best receiver for the other team? Can Jalen Mills look better on the outside than we saw him look at any point during the course of this summer? You Not know, sure he can look much worse. No, is John Jones healthy? Is it whatever their whatever their things are that they're looking at a corner? I don't even I don't even pretend to know. I guess Sean Wade, lot. I guess we should throw into the mix. Sean Wade, they trade for him. Yeah, it seems like it's a little early for Sean Wade to be thrown in the lineup, but I, you know, who knows with Bill and how he operates. But clearly, they're they're shy there. And but maybe that's the point. Is okay. Let's look at this for four or five weeks, and if I see great development in Wade, or I see that Jawan Williams is a better player than he looked this summer then, okay, Saints, you want him? Third round pick, it's yours, take it. But certainly that could be a possibility, but I think that's a um, dated mentality in New England and for one simple reason. Bill, I think you could do those things for 20 years because you had Tom Brady, and even if you try, you know, the whole extension of the preseason, the month of September, that's all great. But if you see what you have at cornerback as you play some long negotiation with Gilmore, well, every game you lose in those first four weeks or five weeks is probably a good argument for why come January, you won't be in the playoffs. I mean, you're when a borderline you 500 yards to Tom Brady in week four. Well, even forget that. Cause I think you probably lose that game with Gilmore. Well, I'm not saying you lose. I think he's going to throw for legitimately 500 yards. Though. And he could, and he probably wants to, and, and all of that. But I'm saying if you, I don't know, lose by a field goal to the dolphins, Right. And then you go back, huh, son of a bitch. We missed the playoffs by a single game. I wonder what could have changed that. Well, I know what could have changed things. Yeah. If we had, if we had played Gilmore, maybe we beat the dolphins, the winnable games that could be in this tryout period for Joan Williams or, cause I think the fixation in this story tends to be JC Jackson. Oh, is cause he's going to be the free agent. Oh, he could make himself a hundred million dollars. If he's a true number one corner, he can show that's great. That's great. That's part of the story. But I think you're, you're, you're missing the point. Look to the other side. That is what's going to decide to me how good the Patriots or bad the Patriots are potentially on defense. And there's right now, there's no reason to believe Jalen Mills, Joan Williams, Sean Wade, whoever are up to the task of being a good number two corner for this team. Cause they just haven't shown that ability yet. Yeah. There, there's, there's no argument there on that. I mean, there, that's a, that's an area that I think we highlighted at the beginning of camp when, when Gilmore wasn't out there to start. And we said, they look a little thin there. And I think basically the entire summer has backed that up, just like it's backed it up at wide receiver, that they're a little thin there, in my opinion, as well. What are some other uh, roster thoughts, like were you, the kicking situation? I know it's a kicker, but like, what do you think happens there? Because Nick Folk gets back on the practice squad. Like, was it a case that they were worried that Quinn Nordine get picked up on waivers and they had to keep him around? I think that... Yeah, based on the way they sort of worked through the roster, that almost seems like exactly what they were thinking there. And look, there's we saw it early in camp. He's got a huge leg. He was consistent early in camp. Then he had that little dip. I think they were, as Cam Accord said, fairly uh, happy with the way he came out of it, even though he did miss the 54-yarder to end, end the preseason game against the Giants. But in general, I think they felt a lot better about him responding to some adversity and getting his way out of it 
So I think there's clearly, they feel like there's great upside there, but I guess I, I'm a little bit surprised. I'm also, but then if you go back and like folk disappeared for what, three weeks, yeah, he, two was, weeks. he was sore or general soreness. Oh. Like, so did you not come back in shape? Like what, 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 I mean, I don't know, you know, kickers, I don't, I'm okay with no kickers. Yeah. We talked game. about this. You we just, just talked about, we just go for two point conversions and go. Yeah, you just talked about points. losing games by three points. That could very well be a missed field goal. Like every point matters with this team. So. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. So maybe Nordin gets week one. And if he misses a field goal, uh, Nick Folk is kicking in week two. Yeah. I think that's a real possibility. And, you know, we talked about it earlier with the quarterback situation. If you bring Nick Folk in, you feel fine about it. Like if you lose one game, I know back to my, our just discussion we just finished about one game could cost you the playoffs, one field goal, whatever, but it's a risk, I guess, worth taking. And, I know Bill, if you, way back in the day, I don't know if you guys recall this, but his greatest regret was letting Robbie Gould go, um, as he articulated to the Boston Globe. Uh, maybe that la- left like this lasting memory, and he has this dream of, you know, he transitioned from Vinatieri, then to Gostowski, and maybe he sees Quinn Nordine, don't let it happen again. Don't let the young kicker that you like, for whatever reason, like you have an affinity for more so than almost any other football team on the planet. He wasn't like this hot candidate, especially after you blew a fifth round pick on Rohrwasser. Maybe his his memory or whatever of, of the Gould thing led him down that road. And again, he has a safety net. Nick Folk is here. Nick Folk could be the kick. Hell, Nick Folk could be the kicker by week one if Nordine sucks in practice. If you're like, oh my God, this guy is not reacting the way we thought he would. He just missed his sixth straight kick on Thursday. Well, guess what? We have a roster move to announce. Nick Folk has been promoted from the practice way. So you have a net there. He, uh, he likes Cornell too. So we got and NASCAR. He, kickers, man. Kickers. Yeah, they're, they're a different sort, but unlike you, I do think you need them. Any other uh, roster? I would say it was a pretty straightforward roster, being honest. Like there were no real major surprises outside of Cam being cut. Yeah, like, you know, I, I don't tend to, I mean, obviously the Cam thing was big news and, and Nordine over Folk was, the I guess, the other news that I, you know, took and, Gilmore being on pop, but otherwise like, Oh, they cut Zuber. Okay. Yeah. They cut Wilkerson. Okay. Like I, I didn't, there was nothing there that made me say, Ooh, they should have, Ooh, I can't believe they did that now. Like, and again, when we're talking about the back end of the roster guys, I think players 45 through 65 are interchangeable. I think, mm-hmm. you know, like one week you're going to need a defensive tackle. You're going to pull them off the practice squad he's going to play 10 plays and it's, Oh, he, he was pretty good. And then the next week he's going to be back in exile because he's just a guy who just filled the role for a single game. I think I, that's how I always look at sort of the, the back end of the roster that very rarely do those guys end up emerging as front of front of roster stars, if you will. And one of the things, I don't know if it matters and I haven't really assessed it league wide. I would leave that to the national uh, star NFL network reporter, Mike Giardi, but you know, the fact that Patriots didn't have anybody claimed from their cuts gives you kind of an indication of the type of roster they had. Okay. They had, you know, 53 guys that were good enough for them, but it's not like they were locked and loaded with 70 quality roster type NFL players. Now the, the rest of the league looked at it and said, yeah, you know, you can put those guys in your practice squad. We're not really interested in any of them. Yeah. I think we've seen too the last couple of years and maybe this, some of it has to do with the COVID protocols also that like, they're just, they're, I don't think there's been a lot of activity in that regard. I think got teams look at, well, we had 90 guys in here. We got a chance to look at these guys for 
you know, since April, in many cases, you know, like we know what we got here. We know that, oh, we might bring in this guy. Maybe he's 1% better, but we got to go through the protocols. Then we got to teach him the playbook. Let's just keep the guys that we had here. Let's keep developing those guys. The bigger practice squad, I think, helps that too. Like, hey, we've already put in some time on this kid. Let's let's continue to, to work with them and see what happens. You know, four weeks from now, six weeks from now, eight weeks from now, if that guy is plateaued, then we start looking at somebody else's practice squad or waiver wire, or bringing guys for workouts and, and those sorts of things. Uh, you want to get into our season preview? That Andy posed some questions ahead of time. Let's do it. Uh, um, well, let me just get into one thing before we get into the, and maybe this will actually come up um, in the course of some of those. But so I did, uh, I did a hit with um, Mike Giardi's former employer last night on NBC Sports Boston. And one of the topics we talked about, again, coming from Graziano, I believe, who indicated he thinks the Patriots could lead the NFL in rushing this year. Um, I don't disagree with the bold prediction nature of such a comment, but are we a little out over our skis with the running back room that their lead back has a career high of 600 yards rushing and has played in 10 games in his most productive season? And... His lead backup is a guy who was a committee runner at Oklahoma. Hasn't really been the guy since he was a junior college guy. Like, I love the upside of the backfield. I'm not, I'm not um, poo-pooing that. But there's a big difference between potential upside and 17-game NFL reality. And you say they're going to lead the NFL in rushing. So are, are we a little bit maybe overly optimistic about the ground game? Yeah, I think that the, the I think to your point, the backfield is really deep, um, but there are questions in particular about Damian Harris, and even this camp, like in practice, he gets nicked up here, he gets nicked up there, like that's he, he's he's not been able to stay healthy, and I know that didn't cost him any time this summer, but it's just those little things that make you wonder, like is his body just will he I don't know will it will it can he last, um, can he be a three hundred carry a season guy or more. Probably, probably not. I mean, that's not really actually how Bill, Bill wants to operate anyway. But um, yeah, I, I don't. I like I like the depth in the backfield. I like some of the versatility in the backfield. But this is a throwing league still. Like I, I don't even know that I want to. I don't know that I want to be the leading rushing team in the NFL. I, I'm not sure that's what I want to be. And I would also just throw into this argument. The the if I want to be a cynic, if I want to be negative, which sometimes I'm prone to, I would say. Um, well, your offensive line that you plan on being the foundation of your offense, your two tackles miss as much time over the last couple of years as they actually see the game field. You don't have a great backup plan ready to go. That would also tie into the running game. And then you mentioned Damian Harris and getting nicked and his durability. And if I wanted to poke holes in Ramondre Stevenson, I'd say, well, let's see, he started his NFL career not being able to do the conditioning run. He fumbled during the preseason mm-hmm. like he was good don't get me wrong he ran the ball well but you can find reasons to say huh am I sure he's ready to be the guy if if Harris misses two weeks is he ready to go out there and give me you know 40 carries over two games to to be a key part of my off I just you can poo-poo the running game all you want but I think this team needs to run the football if they're going to be successful it's fair I mean, that's definitely part of the plan I just I don't again I, I'm just not one of those like oh you this team, need, I, I, eventually, to be the kind of team that you think they can be because of some of the talent here, Mac's going to have to be able to throw 35 times. Okay, so let's, 
let's get into that. What kind of team are they not? What are they going to be a year from now, two years from now, three years from now? What kind of team are they this year? What's their record in 2021, Michael Giardi? 11 and 6. Ooh, 11 wins. What a homer. That's what I went with, 11 and 6. Uh, 9 and 8. Yeah, why 9 and 8? Yeah, I why? You, I saw you, I saw you uh, tweet that out, and I thought <laughs> it was a little low. I could see 10. I could see oh. 10 being the floor. I could see 10. Oh. Or 10 being the ceiling. Excuse me. Good. Yeah, I could see 10 being the ceiling, too. I could see them winning 10 games. Probably if everything goes perfect, I could see them winning 11. But I think more realistic. I could also see them winning seven if everything falls apart, if the wheels fall off. And the things that I see as potential pitfalls and negatives and fatal flaws pop up. You lose one or two of your tackles, and all of a sudden the offensive line is, holy crap, what are we doing here? Or, you know, Damian Harris, the running game. The, the questions that you have at pass catcher. Because to me, you're, you're right back right now. You're, you're where you were last year. The pass catchers you know you can count on are Jacoby Myers and James White. Everything else is either a projection or a hope or a whatever moving forward. And they have a rookie quarterback. So sometimes with rookie quarterbacks, you just find ways to lose games. And it's, it's just the reality um, and I know it was different with the Chargers a year ago where they had like the wheels come off on special teams and I don't expect Bill to re- be replacing Cam Accord midway through the season because they stink or those types of things. I just, the depth of this team to me isn't there at all at, at almost, at, at a lot of positions. I would disagree. I think their defense is stacked. Uh, I think their front, uh, their front seven, their defense isn't stacked if they sh- start front- Sean Wade, who they traded for a week ago. That would their be front, the- Their front seven is correct and we'll see we'll see how that plays out you know josh uche i'm in love with josh uche nobody likes josh uche more than me right now okay i'd still like to see it become regular season reality right practice preparation becomes regular season reality well we'll see it doesn't always work that way um and i don't think they have the easiest of schedules i think there are some challenging opponents on the schedule there's winnable games no question about that but like let's just look at the afc east are there four losable games in the division? Yeah. Okay. Four losable games. So if you start out in your division with four losses. I and that's you, losable. That's not they're losing those games. They're not playing the Chiefs. If they're losable, then they could lose them. So they could be losses. So I'm putting them in the loss column because you called them losable. You agreed with my assessment. If you have four losses already and then you start right. to lose yeah. the Cowboys game, well, I think everybody thinks they'll probably lose to the Bucks, right? Well, now we got five losses. I just think there's the potential there for some losses to pile up with a rookie quarterback and roster. That's not the deepest in the world. Do you not think the rookie quarterback's that good? No, I love him. Okay. Yeah. So then you're kind of of contradicting yourself. Like if you do you think Mac Jones is going to have a good season? I do. So then how are they, how are they only finishing with seven wins or eight wins? I would argue I have as much faith in Mac Jones to do his job and fulfill his commitments to the offense as I do two tackles, two wide receivers, a running back, which to me are all key parts. If Damian Harris goes down, no, I don't feel great about the running game. And if Nelson Aguilar is who I think Nelson Aguilar is and Kendrick Bourne is who I think Kendrick Bourne is, I don't feel great about their one and two wide receivers. And if Trent Brown and Isaiah Wynn look anything like Trent Brown and Isaiah Wynn from the last two years, I don't feel good about their tackles. And if your receivers, your tackles, and your running back aren't good, hard for your quarterback to be good. You know, they went seven and nine last year. 
they were in a, a handful of those games late. I think there was like, was it five games? They one and four down the stretch. They had an opportunity in the fourth quarter to win mm-hmm. and they won just one of those. That roster and this roster don't compare. And I don't, I, and I don't love the wide receiver room. I've been beating that drum since free agency. I didn't think they did enough there. You at tight end, you, you, one of your big tight end signings is a guy who doesn't play every game in Hunter Henry. So I, I, I didn't like, I didn't go crazy over Hunter Henry, but I think they didn't get competent quarterback play last year. Had they gotten competent quarterback play, you flip that record. They're nine and seven. Maybe they're even 10 and six. I think they're going to get competent quarterback play from Mac. Yeah. Will there be some, some valleys for a rookie? Absolutely. I, I would think you'd be crazy to not think that, but I think they're going to get better quarterback play. I think they upgraded their talent level. And while there are certainly questions at corner questions at wide receiver, you have depth questions. I would once again say to you that pretty much everybody has depth questions at some of these positions and you're not going to go from Trent Brown to Yadni Kajust and be like, Oh, we're good. No, that's if, if, Tristan Wirfs goes down for Tampa Bay. What do they do? They're in trouble too. So there's a difference between starting with a player who like Joe Tooney. Yes. If they, if, if anybody loses Joe Tooney, whether it's the Patriots or the chiefs, you have a major drop-off, except I didn't worry ever about Joe Tooney not being out there because Joe Tooney was always out there. I think it's different with Damian Harris, Isaiah, Wynn, Trent Brown. There's a history of them not being out there. And I don't feel good about who has to go in if they continue to not be out there as is so often the case. All right. All right. So I, think, I don't know that you should have done that. No. <laughs> Fortunately, this is an audio podcast. I know. I just, that I just pulled a, uh, what's his name? Daniel Bryan from yeah. WWE and gave a little yes pump for winning the game. So I guess based on records, he did too there. Jared and I have playoffs being yes and you have playoffs being no. Well, does 11 get you in the playoffs? It didn't. It, I mean, that was the the cutoff last year. Yes, 11's getting you in the playoffs this year. 11 is so. I will say the 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 um, the optimism I may have of a better record or making the playoffs because at nine and eight they're not making the playoffs. They'd have to they have to win double digit games at the very least. I do think there's the potential for significant. Um, underachievement in the AFC from a lot of teams, a lot, Bills, Browns, Colts, Chargers. Like, there's a whole lit- Dolphins. Dolphins. There's a whole litany of AFC contenders that it won't stun me if they are all bungled up in one just mess of a. I mean, I, I think the commissioner will probably love it if all those teams are kind of bunched up late in the year and every game matters in the seeding. But to me, that is your biggest opportunity to overachieve or get back to the playoffs is most of the contenders have a lot of questions. Now, I don't think they're an AFC title team, by the way. Like, that's this new popular thing. Yeah, Mac, Mac puts them, like, neck and neck with the Chiefs. I mean, I find that border, borderline asinine, irresponsible, ridiculous. I, I, I just can't even fathom looking at this team and saying – Oh yeah, they're the same as Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey and Andy Reid and everything that they're defensive stars. Like, that's a team that if their offensive line doesn't fall apart, would have had a chance to win back-to-back Super Bowls. Like that derailed any opportunity they had. And they've been to consent. How, how do people look at them on par with that team? I don't really fathom it. It's because they spent all the money, which is which is funny because as we have 
been conditioned for 20 years here in New England. No, you don't spend money. The teams that spend money in the in the in the spring, they never win in in the fall. So, um, that, I mean, look, that, I would say the one thing we we discussed way back about now, you're definitely some of these guys that you signed to big money deals aren't going to hit because that's mm-hmm. just the that's just the odds. That's that that's how it plays. But some of the guys that I was worried about, in particular Matthew Judon, like mm-hmm. he's been. Night and day from what I was thinking he was going to be with some of his comments when he first signed versus what he's been since he's got here. They love him. He seems to love it here. You know, will it change when he gets you know, put on a low light tape on a Monday and Bill rips him from, from post to pillar? Maybe, but I think he, he showed me like the requisite toughness that this was a, this is the right place for him. And he feels like I'm going to thrive in this, in this environment. Yeah. I think he is, locked in for me as the guy I have the least questions or concerns about. And I was with you when he said, you know, I didn't choose them. They chose me. And it just felt like a financial, like, you know, business relationship between a customer and a stripper kind of thing. Um, I, I, I had doubts, but now everything I've seen from him, that energetic edge that I started talking about way back in the spring and him and Uche and him and Mac and him and Dietrich wise working on the far end of the field at hours at it. Like, I think he is the surest of things from their big money spending. That will now stun me the most if he underachieves. If he, if you're like, wow, that guy just, he really brings nothing to the defense. That would stun me. Yeah, I was taken by McCordy and what he said about him when they were running mm-hmm. the hills and he's running with the skill guys. And he's like, yeah, we've seen guys do that before. And they finished 10 to 15 yards behind, which, you know, doesn't impress anybody. But he's out there running with them and he's talking trash to them. And there's like that, there's definitely he just seems to get it. You know, yep. like if, if you can put, put a grade on free agent signings before they play a game, he's an A plus plus right now. He, he just, he gets it. You want to get into the team MVP? Like he's mine. He's probably, he's my prediction for team MVP. Matthew. So did we, did, did you say defensive MVP, offensive MVP? No, just team. team. Um, no, I'm, I'm going to say it's, I'm going to say it's Mac Jones. I think Mac Jones is, yeah, I'm going to, I look, I think, I think this offense is when run the way Josh wants it to run is very quarterback friendly. I think this kid is smart and yes, there'll be some periods of like, there'll definitely be some games and moments where you go, he's, but I think by and large, when this thing ends up at 11 and six, you're going to say it ended up at 11 and six because they had a really good defense and the quarterback was good. I think the quarterback's going to be You're saying that he's in the mix for offensive rookie of the year. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's a real possibility. Um, I like Mac. Um, okay, so let's talk about that for a second before I give mine. So I'll give a different answer because I like both your answers because the quarterback always has a chance because he's the quarterback in any award for football. Um, what, like, do you have a statistical um, landmark in, first of all, if they win 11 games and Mac is the starter most of the year, 17 games, Probably means he had a pretty good year. He, he like you don't win eleven games if your quarterback stinks in the National Football League. But do you have a like a statistical landmark? I've heard a lot of people talking about does he have to be Brady two thousand one? Well, Brady two thousand one, the numbers aren't great, but it was also twenty years ago. Yeah, a totally different world. I think comparable numbers, like the numbers in my head, are low th- low three thousand yards passing. You know, get over the three thousand yard mark, and probably low 20 touchdown passes, you know, 22, 24 touchdown passes 
somewhere in there. Like, I think those are very realistic or achievable, even with my questions about and concerns about the weapons and the targets and all that. Like, do you have numbers in your mind? Yeah, I think it's in the high 3000s. Like I look at 3,800, somewhere in there, in that ballpark. I could see him even getting to 4,000, depending on how the, the season plays out in terms of, you know, is does Hunter stay healthy? Does Johnu stay healthy? Um, does something happen at wide receiver? Is Kendrick Bourne better than I think he is? Is Aguilar? I think Aguilar is what he is, but whatever. You know, something might happen on the outside that makes it a little bit more explosive from that standpoint. And I just look, I think like 25 and 12, 24 and 12, like I think touchdowns to interceptions. Like I think a two to one sort of ratio, like, cause I think there will be moments. I think he'll have a three interception game. I think that'll happen. You know, like I just, but in general, I think he's going to take care of the football. And I think they're going to be able to do things down in the red area that they didn't do last year. They, they couldn't do last year. Because exactly. Of the, yeah, guys. Because of the quarterback, because of the, the lack of skill position guys, like we can, we can ding them for, for maybe not doing enough at the pass catcher, but they did get better. I don't think there's any question. Like they actually have functional tight ends. I mean, three red zone targets in the last two years for tight, for tight ends, which is an unbelievably disgustingly low number um, that I can't imagine any other team in the league came close to replicating. I think they could have three red zone targets in week one if Hunter and, and John were out there. Okay. So I'm going to pick, I, I like, um, I like both your answers for team MVP and we should remind people that Ryan's answer, Matthew Judon, according to WEI's own in-house football expert, former Patriot, Christian Fourier, his low end season would be all pro and his high end season would be defensive player of the year. Pretty sure if he achieves either of those, he's got a good chance to be the team MVP. Um, I think it's a little optimistic, but hey, he's the football expert, so I'll uh, I'll defer to him. I'm going to go with the guy that I've talked about all along. Ryan knows this. I'm hoping he stays healthy. I haven't seen enough of him to really be overly excited right now, but I still think Jonu Smith has the potential to catch 85-plus passes for 1,200 yards and 12 touchdowns. And if he puts up those kind of numbers, now, to be fair, that would help Giardi's guy because he's got all those stats go with the quarterback as well but I think there's a chance you might be just saying wow Jonu Smith is a is an athlete like they haven't had he's better than Aaron Hernandez he opened up the passing game for other people he took opportunities from the play action game with Damian Harris so I'm going to say Jonu Smith will be your team MVP if he puts up those numbers they're winning more than nine, nine games yeah yeah I didn't say he would He's got one pass in the preseason. He missed time in minicamp. He missed time in training camp. I get back to the concerns I have, but I'm trying to be positive here. You know what's interesting about him is, and this is the one thing, like I think we all sort of envision because of some of the things they've done this summer with him in different positions. um, Assuming that Hernandez sort of hybrid role, the one thing I haven't seen from him is just some of that stuff at the sticks where does he have that wiggle and does he have that bend at the top of his route? I, and to your point, cause I, cause there's, he hasn't played a lot. So yeah. it's, it's hard to, it's hard to know if he has that when he hasn't been out there as much or has gotten as much activity as you would like him to get. So that's something I'm, I'm really curious about once the season starts. All right. Biggest strengths. Front seven defensively. Although I will say this, I didn't love the run defense this summer. No. They, yeah. The Giants game, there were a couple third downs early, like yeah. short yardage. 
and they got pushed around like you wouldn't believe. So, so maybe I should make a, maybe I should alter that. Maybe I should say it's the linebacker level because I think they're going to be able to play all kinds of games with your edge players and some of your interior guys. You know, I, I keep saying it, but you're going to, there are going to be points where I know you're going to have Uche, Judon, Hightower, Van Noy. I could see Winovich out there as with that group at various points. And it's me like, how that, what the hell are they doing? And how do we block it? Like, where are they coming from? Um, so that, I think that to me is an exciting area of the football team that I think allows them to almost weaponize that group. And I think that's, that's going to be fun. I think that'll, that, that's an area where I definitely am, I'm all about. Yeah. Is it really even up for debate? Whatever, whatever position could be considered a strength compared to that well, Run, running back, maybe running back, not even well, it's from, it's from a depth standpoint. Like they right. look to, to your point about the quarterbacks, like, Oh, well, I don't feel great about the quarterback. Like if Harris is down for two weeks, you can get by with Ramondre and JJ and, and James white. And you might even be able to match production mm-hmm. with the three guys for the one. So like, uh, to me, that is, I guess that's an area where I would still say, Okay, I feel pretty good about it. Pretty good is fair, but it's not even close because you said, oh, we might see Winovich out there with these guys. Well, let's just say Uche or Vanoy, whatever, and Winovich plays more. Well, Winovich has played quite a bit the first two years. He's got two five-and-a-half sack seasons on his resume. He's far more proven than J.J. Taylor or Ramondre Stevenson or even, I would say, Brandon Bolden. So I agree with you, the depth there. The one thing I would say is, and I'm going to make it a little bit more of a um, – a vague kind of general assessment. Cause I think you're right. The front seven, I would also include maybe just the, the safeties in that mix. Duggar could play a role in that box area there. Yeah. Those athletes that bill can deploy. If bill still has his a game, I think is going to give fits to opposing quarterbacks, to opposing offensive coordinators, but sort of using that as a leaping off point, I'm going to say, I don't know if it's their greatest strength. They're far more athletic. I think they're a more athletic team than they've been. When I add Jonu Smith into the mix, when I add what I think Damian Harris can be and J.J. Taylor can be, and I just think, like, you compare the athleticism of, oh, we're putting Ryan Izzo and Matt Lacoste out there at tight end, or even Nelson Aguilar. I mean, the guy averaged 19 yards a catch last year in the National Football League. We may not love him, like... But if that's just an aspect of the game, they now have a guy that can get down the field, that can stretch a defense. Is he better than Demir Bird or Philip Dorsett that they've had in that role? And along those lines, Duggar and Adrian Phillips. And I would even say, in my mind, Jalen Mills, if you use him the way he should be used, not force him into a starting outside corner role. I think their depth of athleticism Vanoy, Hightower, all those guys. I think their depth of athleticism is far better than it was a year ago. Uh, biggest weakness? Corner and Number receiver. Corner. I mean, I'll just yeah. beat the drum. Those two spots. I don't like, I don't love receiver. And I don't, with, without Gilmore in the, in the lineup, I don't, I don't love what they have at corner. And that's, those are. Can they try to get creative at corner with like Duggar and Phillips somehow? No. I mean, you know they, what happens when you get creative? You get exposed at yeah. that. Point. At it's some like, point, you know, you're going to be able to cover. It's like uh, when the, when the Ravens used the Dalas Thomas at corner a couple of times, and Patriot fans went bananas. Oh, they're going to Bill's going to do. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Do you do that? See see how it works out for you. Right. And 
So no, I don't think you can scheme to cover up an immense lack of talent at corner. And I will say the answer is probably wide receiver, right? They might have the worst wide receiver position in football, or they're certainly in the mix still um, with a number of teams. The lions would be one of those teams atop the list, but at least at corner, I mean, JC Jackson had what nine picks a year ago. He led the NFL or tied for the league in takeaways. Like he was up, he's a ball Hawk. He, he has played number one corner. He, he competed at a high level as a number one corner, even if he's not a truly perfect elite number one corner, your best receiver, I still say it, is a guy you've been hesitant to, to give a load to, and that's Jacoby Myers. Like, I like him. I like Jacoby Myers. He can play for me. You know, if we're going to be honest here, Bill, and get open and catch the football, that's what he does. I don't know how either. I don't love him if I have to test him. I don't love him if he's a bus guy. I don't know how much I'd want to pay him or any of those things. But your rules, Bill, in this meritocracy that you've sort of reestablished with your Mac Jones decision – he gets open and catches the football, but how good is he? Like that's that's right, the problem in the question. Yeah, his I, I still say he's a he's a three. Right. But you he's know, like, like and there's no shame in that. I mean he could be a good three in this league for a long time because yes. he does the things you said. And he's I, I say too, like his ability to sort of snatch the ball, he goes and gets it. It's that's that's really impressive. That's something you want in a young receiver. He he understands the game and that allows him, I think, to sort of cover up some of the things, the measurables that that are the reason why he didn't get drafted in the first place. Right. But I, when I, when I put corner in that group, I just think of this league, everybody's throwing 35, 40 times a game. And I think Jalen Mills, Jawan Williams, Sean Wade, if they're on the other side of, of JC, they're going to see 15 targets a game. They're just going to go there and go there and go there. And you better hope that that disruptive linebacking edge core is on top of the quarterback in less than two seconds and forces them to make some, you know, inaccurate throws or, or hurry things, throw the ball out of bounds, whatever it is, because if you give them three, three and a half seconds, four seconds at a quarterback at that spot, I think they're going to just go to it and you're not going to be able to do anything about it. All right. Uh, before we wrap this up, like how, how do you think the early part of the season go? Like, do you think they're going to get off to a good start? Or do you think there's going to be some growing pains with Mac Jones and maybe they lose a few of those games early to the Dolphins, maybe the Saints and the, and the Bucks. Like, how do you think things go early on? I think that's sort of an indication how the year will go. I think they're three and zero when they play the Bucks. Wait, I yep. can see it. I like, Look, I you got, you got my, you got Miami coming in here and it, you know, we were talking about maybe teams stepping back. I like the way Flores has built that program but there is this weird thing with the coordinators and now they've got two guys calling plays. Okay. Uh, a question about the quarterback in general. And Oh, by the way, once again, they're playing shuffle the offensive lineman, the guy that was supposed to start at center for them. They cut him. The, Liam Eikenberg, the kid out of Notre Dame was supposed to be a right tackle for them. He's been hurt. Like they're, they continue to play mix and match on the offensive line. And I would contend that when your offensive line is not that good to begin with, and now you're playing mix and match, they could have a hard time blocking the Patriots in that, in that opener. Um, and again, that opener happens to be in Gillette. So if it was in Miami, maybe I go the other way, but you got to come here. Question about your quarterback, question about your offensive line, question about your play callers. Um, I take them jets, not worried about the jets week three, new Orleans, Jameis. So it's, I'm, I'm not a Jameis guy. I'll, I'll take, I'll take, 
I'll take them to, to make him turn the ball over two or three times in that game. And that'll be the difference in that game. And then Tampa Bay comes down. I don't want to talk about it yet. <laughs> right. Three and one after a month. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't know we had Fitzy on the broadcast though. Fitzy's big on the three and oh, when you get to oh, the just Yeah, but think about who there. It's not like you have it's it's a like massive, you, have you know, the that Bulls, is the Chiefs. That you suck. You I, I'm just, I, I think the Patriots will probably win on opening day. I think there's going to, I think Gillette is going to be rocking yes. on opening day with Mac, with first game back after a year. The Four whole o'clock start, get the afternoon. Yeah, they'll be lubed up, as Brady would say. I, I think it's going to be a fun environment, and I, I think I'll be picking them to win that football game. But I think this is a team that's going to ride a little bit of a ebb and flow roller coaster. And I'm not saying they lose the next week, but I think there's going to be highs and you're going to say. Okay, so wait a minute. I just wait, 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 wait. Right. So you have them 2-0. You just have you immediately one, you two have them at two and zero. Two and one going into the the break. Okay, you have them losing to the Saints. I think yeah. they beat the Saints. Okay, that's how that worked. That's how you get. Yeah, but so you just like we're all down his throat for having to be three and zero, yeah, and then you had him two and zero. Oh, you're Fitzy. You got it. You're Fitzy. You got him three and zero. You're Fitzy. You had him two and zero. Wait a minute. I could you're also Fitzy have until them. week. So you're Fitzy until week three. So I could also have them lose the opener. Like it will not stun me at all if they lose the opener. Well, that's, I mean, now you're just, now you're pulling the Glenn Ord way. You're on the fence. You can't say, well, I told you they could lose. It's there were certain people with the quarterback competition. who was like, Cam's the starter, but I wouldn't be totally surprised if it's Mac. Well, that wasn't me. I said, no, it was I, I, I was, I was taking a shot at someone else on the beat. Not you. <laughs> this um, is what you're doing now though. Yes. Well, let me ask you a question about Miami just in particular, because I may or may not have drafted this person on my fantasy team. Um, <laughs> no, but like Jalen Waddle should inject life into their offense. Correct. Like, like that's a, that's a pretty significant addition to a, a young passing game. That's assuming that they know how to use them. Oh, Oh, look there, there you, their receiving core has been hurt the entire summer. Mm-hmm. Preston Williams, Wilson was having a big start to camp. Then he disappears for a couple of weeks. Like there's been one thing after another with that group. I don't think that they've, I think it was this week. They finally had that full group out there for the first time since the beginning of camp. And if you look at the history of those guys, those guys have a history of being hurt. So it's not, this is the, okay, the, what's different about this? Nothing. These guys are always hurt. And now they're, they're hurt again here in camp. So like there could be spots where two is looking going, who the hell am I throwing to? Right, you know? but there also could be spots where he's looking like, wow, I got a pretty good arsenal sure. to go after a secondary like the Patriots that maybe has a hole at number yep. two cornerback or number three cornerback. Um, okay, so yeah. So I think we're in sort of the same place, even if our record is. Like, we think they're going to get off to a decent start. They're a pretty good football team to start the year with a pretty good young quarterback, good coaching, home environment for, for opening day that could – help them or, or be a little bit of a push them over the top for a close victory. But would you be stunned if they were, see, I won't be stunned if they're three and because I don't think they're terrible. And I think that's a great start. He is just being, Ryan, he is backtracking like a mofo. No, why is that backtracking? I just said, I won't be stunned. I'm not predicting it. I think. But you just laughed at him for saying they'd start three and Yeah, He just wanted to laugh. He's kind of a Homer, but. Um, oh, God, Lord help us. So, but would you like? I would be stunned if they're zero and three. Like if they lose to the Jets and yeah. the, the yeah, other team, I would. They were one and two. I wouldn't be stunned necessarily. Like, I, I, that's where this team is. To me, you're in the middle. 
you're in the middle, you have lots of new bodies. And that's something I wrote um, on this morning, the five questions they're still facing. And some of them we've already talked about, but like, how about just chemistry? Just the idea that you're a very much sort of rebuilt, retooled team. And sometimes those teams take a little bit, like mistakes happen, communications happen. They haven't played that much together. Like sometimes those teams can get off to rocky starts just because, not talent wise, just there's a lack of familiarity in that. Sure, could be- their schedule is so easy to start the year. Like we're, we're even talking week five after the Brady games, the Texans, that's a win. Oh, that's definitely a win. If they lose to the Texans, then I was not nearly negative enough. That, I mean, that should be an unlosable game. That should be unlosable. Yeah, I would agree. So, but like right there, they, they could potentially be four and one. They could potentially be four and one. They could also potentially. That's be- not, but, and that's not saying that's not from a Homer's approach. That's like realistic. And, so, and- and best you know, case scenario, they can be four and one. Worst case scenario, they can be two and three. As sort of an addendum to this, too, like, like I don't think obviously I think the Jets are Wilson looks like he could be the real deal. You know, that'll take some time. They're still sort of building around him. We don't know anything about Salah as a head coach. Right. Like we know that he's a fist pumping, running up and down the field kind of guy. He's got a little Dan Campbell in him. Mm-hmm. He doesn't give the crazy press conferences, but he has that sort of crazy energy maybe Salah comes up with this plan and, and Mac looks like, looks like a rookie in week two, but they'll still win the game. It might be a, might be a blood and guts 13 to 10 game, but they'll still win the game. I knew so little about him as a head coach that I thought it was Salah, not Salah. It could be. I've heard it said both ways. So I'm I'm not even going to guy. So I'm going to take, I mean, unless you're pronouncing disc, I take your word. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. All right. We've been going on long enough. All right. Uh, We'll, uh, we'll be back with another podcast next week to preview the Dolphins. Football's here, so we're, uh, we're a full, full go podcast. I can feel the energy. Yeah, we'll be back. <laughs> yes. here. You know, again, they don't see him right now. He's in a hoodie sweatshirt. He's slumped into his couch. You know, Andy's on top of the camera. I'm, I'm going back and forth. Ryan is very – well, of course, to Ryan's defense, he's, he's working on a story right now. Yes, he's multitasking. Yeah. He was multitasking. Yeah. Well, multitasking. We should yeah. probably um... – just make note of that at the end of this, Ryan. Have we confirmed? No. We, we're, where are we started? Richard, uh, Richard Seymour and a few others have tweeted that David Patton has passed away. There's been no official confirmation. There was some cousin of David Patton who said it, but no, like, news source has confirmed it. Well, and that's – I mean, it's sad when anybody loses a life, but this is a guy that I, I don't know that he gets his um, – Credit due. For what he was for the Patriots in the early parts of this dynasty, like – just a fun playmaker, good guy, great story. Like one of those additions that suddenly he goes from the street to being a key contributor, had the Walter Payton game where he ran through and caught a touchdown in Indy against the Colts, just made himself a pretty damn good receiver for a stint there with the Patriots. You never forget the concussion on the sideline when he fumbled the football, but he was touching the ball while he was out of bounds. So the the ball was dead. Like, yeah, he he was – uh, the, yeah, the touchdown in the Super Bowl. Um, incredibly athletic dude. Really enjoyed him. I remember back in the day. Um, so when he was telling us about like, well, what have you been doing now when you're not playing football? You've been trying to catch on. He was loading uh, like 150 pound coffee bean bags. Yep. In the in the South Carolina heat every day, like for that was his job. Like, um, yeah, he was a, he was quite a quite a good story and a good dude. And uh, yeah, it's sad. For sure. Hey, Dan, on a sad note, but uh, yeah, we, we, we had to bring it up. All right. Uh, we'll be back next week. 
Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for Mike Giardi for coming along. I'm sure he'll be back during the season because, you know, maybe he can, when they Patriots start 3-0, you know, he can say, I, I told you so, Andy, and I'm, I'm not 50. I look forward to it. Look forward to it. All right. Awesome. Now, we'll talk to you then. Yeah.